Hello, this is uh, MTG Lord of Leaves uh, from the Vorthos cast. If you want to hear more explanations about or, or greater in-depth uh, exploration as to the stories that are part of this story about Dominaria, you can listen to the Vorthos cast episodes 5 through 17, close to the beginning of our cast. Uh, and have fun. All right. Uh, Welcome, fellow adventurers. It's me, Mr. Comet number five, one of your mainstays here at CMD Tower. Of course, you can always find me at Mr. Comet number five on Twitter, all spelled out except for the five. And this is Murphus. Again, one of the mainstays, I suppose, now. And you can always find me over at cmdtower.com. And you can also find my articles a couple times a month at commandersherald.com. And I'm Brian, and I can be found at, at MTG Lord of Leaves on Twitter and on the Vorthos cast most Mondays. And if the collective is looking for more lore discussion, uh, Sir Brian, you know, we obviously want them to check out the Vorthos cast. And I'm curious, what are you guys talking about right now? Um, we are going through and discussing, or I guess the plan is for us to discuss the new Capenna story um, with the last episode coming out today. Um, this is being recorded on Tuesday, April 5th. So uh, yeah, the last story came out. So I expect we'll be discussing that uh, this coming week. Uh, so yeah. Awesome. Well, today, guys, we're going to be diving into Dominaria. Uh, this is a set that sprouted uh, Big Tef. I believe, as he was so romantically called, um, and Wrecking yeah. Standard, as I also kind of remember, I believe. Yep. Um, wrecking is a little bit of an overstatement when you're talking about my boy, Big Teferi. Oh, <laughs> disgusting. But we thought this would be good because we were kind of, you know, trying to do sets that are about a year and a half, two years old um, and younger. So then that way, you know, it could kind of be fresh. Maybe it just rotated out of standard. But we were looking at it and Innistrad kind of just needs to be done all at once. And we just got done with that set. So we want to give that some time to breathe. So we actually thought this would be kind of fun to focus on Dominaria because of Dominaria United coming out later this year, uh, us revisiting the plane. So starting off, Sir Brian, could you just give us a summary of the last time we went to Dominaria and what really happened by the end of that story? So, Dominaria had a, a very long story arc, but the, the main things were they were looking for a way to defeat Nicol Bolas, and there were a lot of different story points that get up to that point. So, we start off with, um, basically, the Planeswalkers retreating to Dominaria, and after this is after the uh, Amonkhet's defeat uh, to Nicol Bolas, and they're trying to regroup and figure out a, a way to approach this. Um, so we have all these people converging on Dominaria, and um, you have people looking for Teferi to try to get his help to maybe find some kind of artifact that would be possibly useful to defeat Nicol Bolas. Um, and Teferi has dueled Nicol Bolas to hit. He's one of the few planeswalkers or few beings to have fought Nicol Bolas and not 
died or been destroyed. Um, <laughs> well, that's because Big Tef or Teferi uh, has a little Samuel L. Jackson in him, and he just doesn't put up with motherfuckers. I mean, that's just the way it works. Sure. If that no, <laughs> it, it was more Nicol Bolas found it humorous that this was happening and didn't really. He wasn't really out for blood necessarily. Like he could have just completely destroyed them. This is, but to, it, it was it was an interesting uh, occasion. Um, so Teferi is currently without his spark after using it to seal the rifts and um, that caused the mending. And you know they are currently like there was a story arc where they were helping him get his start back with some kind of. Um, puzzle that Urza left behind. And there was a story arc where they were uh, rebuilding the weather light and getting that back up to speed. Like there was this, uh, there was an angel named Tiana who was originally supposed to help this village um, because Saren angels are um, kind of created with a purpose we learned. And at the time uh, of her creation, she was supposed to be an angel to help this village, and then the village ended up being destroyed. And then she w- was sent to help this uh, voyage to find the remains of the Weatherlight, and she found that that was her true purpose. So she becomes the Weatherlight's mechanic. They fix up the Weatherlight. They go get to Ferry. Uh, we learn we learn a little bit about Teferi's years as a. Um, long-lived mage but not a planeswalker as he lives the kind of human experience um, while trying to avoid kind of the conflicts of some of his controversial uh, actions in the past even if some of them were done with best intentions at heart he still is responsible for the uh, phasing out of Zalfir and uh, people aren't super happy with him about that um we have episodes where Chandra is trying to find her purpose. She goes off plane looking for guidance from her mentor, um, Mother Ludi, who ends up being uh, Jaya. They come back to help the cause. They go to find Multani, who is currently slumbering and has kind of lost his way um, since he helped in the invasion. And the mending, like after the mending, like, when Urza, or not Urza, went to Ferry and, um, oh goodness, Joira first went to him to help resolve the mending, he kind of, like, he got sealed away and he was kind of resting to a certain extent. So they had to enlist his help for another core for the Weatherlight. Then we have... Slimefoot being after the weatherlight is fully up and operational, Slimefoot gets his uh, genesis from fungus found in the, in the ship, and you know they 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 come to the conclusion the black blade is a thing, and maybe that can be used to kill Nicol Bolas. So let's go find that. So they hop in the weatherlight, they go to fight Belzenlock, they have the they go to get the black blade, they fight Yargle. And or they get away from Yargle and they go in and infiltrate the Cabal stronghold, get uh, get the Black Blade and bamf out. And uh, it kind of leaves with all the planeswalkers heading toward Ravnica with the Black Blade to try to fight Nicol Bolas. And Liliana is the last one to leave, but she's unable to because uh, Nicol Bolas calls her contract to do and 
he enlists her to command his Dread Horde army. Well, because that's also the other half of the set story is Liliana and Gideon's kind of journey. Um, You know, when she gets there, uh, her brother has been brought back from the demon lord and he's causing all sorts of bullshit. Uh, So, you know, Gideon and and the townsfolk, uh, you know, distract the zombies and Liliana has to go use the chain veil to like, I guess, kill all her brothers. And I thought this was so gangster and I wish they would have made a card of this, uh, which I, I won't spoil that because we we could talk about that a little bit later. Um, but he was like, "You are the curse of this family," and I was like, "Ooh, that's spicy. That's just that's hard." Um, that's what we, that's what we call dysfunctional family dynamics. <laughs> yeah, dysfunctional family dynamics. If your brother is a lich, it might mean there are family <laughs> systems problems. I'm just saying. No, no, and you know, I, I guess. You could say that, first of all, Josu Vess is not a lich. He's he's a very powerful undead, but not quite a lich, even though there are many people who will take issue with how the word lich was used in some of these stories. I believe it was the uh, episode 11 where liches were, the word lich was utilized for a lower ranking kind of undead where in different uh, forms of literature. Oh. L- liches are very powerful, powerful m- yeah. mages. So it's Josu Vess is not really a lich. He is the he's been reanimated by powerful magic, but he himself is not necessarily a lich. Gotcha. Mm. I was betrayed by the whole expression. Reading the card explains the card. Josu Vess Lich Knight or whatever the actual magic card is betrayed me. It yeah. betrayed me deep in my heart. It's one of those weird things where people have different. Like I said, there's some very, there's a lot of dispute over how the word "lich" was used in 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 this context here. So, well, so I, like, so I know that it happened, and kind of the whole reason Liliana and everyone came to Dominaria, uh, outside of the fact that they were escaping Nicobolus, was Liliana was slowly killing all the demons that had her contract. And I thought this was pretty interesting that the reason Nyssa and Chandra leave is because they find out that Liliana kind of like caused them to lose an almond cat is like kind of what I had read because it was like she was just so focused on killing. What was the demon that was on almond cat? Uh, Razaketh. Razaketh. She was so focused on killing Razaketh that the whole Nicobolas thing happened. And I'm, I know there's a lot more into it, but I, it seemed like the Weatherlight almost blamed her for that. And then the fact that she's like, oh, well, hey, guys, there's this demon here. You want to help me kill that guy and I can get out of my contract? It just seemed like, you know, she was thinking very much about her and not so much them. Um, Liliana yeah. is the most opportunistic planeswalker in, like... Of the modern era, she like I wouldn't say that the whole Amonkhet thing was her fault, but she sure as heck wasn't going to let her chance slip when they had a reason to actually you to kill to to accomplish her goals, killing the demons, right? Yeah. Um, like I, I don't think I, I I don't think that her using the Gatewatch to kill Razaketh or Belzenlock had really any real impact in hurting the Gatewatch's plans as far as Nicol Bowles was concerned on either plane. Um, but I, I definitely, there there was definitely some tension running throughout the group 
in the stories concerned, like con- just because they felt like they were being used, especially Nissa and Chandra, you know, it, yeah. it's never good when you're going into something, when someone has one goal, even though it, it's not necessarily important to the end goal of the group, they are very focused on that one goal. And even like they may take actions that are ne- that might be detrimental to your group. They're focused on that one thing, even though it ne- it doesn't actually end up hurting the, the goal at the end in, at the, regardless. So I, gotcha. I think that's kind of what was going on there. Oh, I see. I see. Um, and so, you know, one thing I also found, you know, kind of interesting within the story is just how much it seemed like Gideon had blind faith into Liliana. And that definitely bleeds into the War of the Spark arc as well. Um, you know, why why was he just so like ride or die with her, it seemed like? Well, I, I think their interactions when she was fighting, when, when like she gets to Caligo Morass and is like trying to eradicate the curse of Vess or whatnot. He kind of has some insight into her upbringing and like the things that she feels guilty of. And he realizes that one of his, his tragic, his tragic flaw is arrogance and feeling that things that were really outside of his control were his fault. Mm -hmm. Um, And he sees a little bit of that in her and he sees her trying to like shoulder that burden. And he wants to kind of relieve that of her. Um, you know, we, we kind of see this in the, in later stories, but you know, he 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 is a very trusting person, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. I do think that sometimes he he might give people the benefit of that when he probably shouldn't. But I think in this circumstance, Liliana had some very real issues that she kind of opened up to him about a little bit in their trials with uh, Josu. And that that whole thing, and you know, she was very earnest about wanting to help them defeat Nicol Bolas, and you know, the ending of the story is not something that she wanted, but it's something that you know she really had no choice in the matter. Yeah, yeah, because essentially, when Bolas shows up, he's like, "Ha ha! You thought you get out of your contract? I actually have it, and if you don't listen to me, you'll die." Exactly, what a dick. So, all right. Um, well, do you guys have any other thoughts on what actually happened within the story before we kind of get to, you know, the stories that get left hanging, unexplained omissions, and our tinfoil hat? No, All right. I, no, I, I, I think we've I think we've done a pretty good job summarizing the story. Um, I mean, the what I love about Dominary and what I love about the story is how much it paid homage to the blocks I grew up playing and the novels that I grew up reading and um, the stories that, you know, Urza and Gerard and the weatherlight adventures and stuff, regardless of whether they're villains or heroes. Right. And that's like, that's a thing. Like Urza's actually just like a total trash bag, like just not, <laughs> not, not a cool guy. Like, uh, and that, and that's, that's fine. Like that's fiction. Right. Um, also yep. reality, I guess, which is a bummer. Uh, yeah. so, but I, I loved all the callbacks in the story, especially, uh, you know, at the very beginning of the story, we see Bells and Locke um, kind of usurping the, uh, what's it called? <laughs> accolades. The, the accolades. He's usurping the story of Dominaria. Oh, right? like yeah. He's, he's the ebon hand. He's the. Every the, boogeyman on the plane was him. That, 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 <laughs> right. That's basically what he, he claimed. Right, and he's also the slayer of an elder dragon, which is yep. like, nope, nope, that, that <laughs> nope, didn't nope, happen. Nope. Uh, 
but he when they gave him the black blade he's like yeah this is my black blade of of course mm-hmm. <laughs> absolutely guys <laughs> thanks for thanks for finding that for me and bring Don't it mean, where I put that. Can, can you really blame the guy? Because if someone just came, like, was like, "Hey, you, you have this briefcase of a million dollars, right?" It's like, "Yeah, I do. That's mine. It, of course, I've always been walking around with that." It's like that famous quote: "If someone asks you if you're a god, you say yes." It's, <laughs> hey, if you think I did all these things, I'm not going to change your mind about them. You know. Right. And and that was very much the situation with Bells and Lock, which just kind of sets this weird tone of of really the weather like crew with the help of these like rogue planes walking Justice League like uh, kind of setting history straight on Dominaria, which I think we'll we'll kind of get into in the next segment here a little bit. Yeah, and actually, uh, last thing before we do, I was just kind of thinking about it. Belzenock, do you, I almost wonder if they uh, chose that name construction for uh, is it is it Bezelbug or Bezel? It, it's like the other Beelzebub. Beelzebub. It's kind of like another name for like the devil, you know, uh, embellishing kind of. Oh yeah, you believe in, and it's very. I, I I just I just put that together. That's pretty interesting. That, that's, I, right, I never would have connected that. Yeah, that, that's something that I never really thought of, but it kind of makes sense. It wouldn't surprise me if that that is why they chose that nomenclature. But yeah, I've always thought something had to be because Beelzebub is just such a unique <laughs> name and overly complicated, like Triskaidekaphobia. Uh, but we're now headed to stories that left us hanging. Now uh, we're going to do a quick little disclaimer here, guys. A lot of stuff that would have happened at the end of the story. You have answers to what happened next on different planes. Uh, We will eventually get to doing Ravnica, which we'll probably have to do over multiple episodes because so much happened on that plane in a short amount of time. Um, But at least today, we're just going to be focusing on the areas that we truly don't know the answers. Now, uh, Murphus, you and I were chatting earlier, and you mentioned a very unique artifact that stood out a little bit. Uh, Why don't you talk a little bit about that? Ah, yes. We all love weapons of mass destruction, right? Like that's, that's a thing that we're all about. Um, Yeah. I, I I see you shaking your head. Yeah. 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 Uh, We're going to talk about the Golgothian Silex, uh, which is a bunch of words that uh, are, they're gobbledygook. But I, as I was doing research for this episode and, and re, remembering the story like in episode nine of the story we connect with Karn mm-hmm. and we and this is after Karn Strux are fighting with Multani's elementals and like there's this whole like skirmish and uh the weatherlight crew's like what is going on right now <laughs> um but we learned from Karn that he is having his his constructs actually dig around for a silex uh, like Urza, Urza detonated in order to use it on New Phyrexia. And that's a story that we don't really, I, I don't believe, I, I can't recall if they actually find the Silex, but we don't have a conclusion to them using the Silex. Otherwise, there just wouldn't be a rest of Dominaria. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, we, we, he, he did find the Silex. Uh, he plans on detonating on New Phyrexia, which is, Mirrodin, what used to be Mirrodin, I guess. So it's one of those things where we're kind of gearing up for it because we have the Praetors showing up in all these random standard sets now. 
Um, so I fully expect next year sometime to actually end up on new Phyrexia again. And I, I, I'm expecting that to happen. Um, I was kind of hoping it would be this year. It's been long enough. We haven't seen cough in years. Um, hashtag cough watch. But yeah, it, it's. It, I would expect that that's something that's going to be resolved next year, especially with uh, uh, the Brothers War gearing up and giving us a whole bunch of artifacts in a set, I'm assuming. Uh, I'm, I'm fully expecting that to, to show up again. Yeah, I'm really anticipating that we're going to see the conclusion of that story. Um, But the the question remains, I think, um, because of some stuff happening in New Capenna that like is not a part of the Dominaria story, but is definitely related to this whole arc of the the Phyrexian big bad. uh, My heart, my heart Phyrexians. Uh, New Phyrexia being uh, mirrored in plus or mirrored in two electric boogaloo. Mirrored in plus. But do we think that Karn would actually detonate the Silex knowing what happened when Urza did the same? Well, you you have to remember um, or you ha- be aware that Karn created Mirrodin. Like it's his to create and his to destroy. Um, it, it's I I fully I, I would not be surprised if it actually happens. It would be a disappointing thing, and um, but yeah, I would not be surprised if he actually went through with it. Um, I do worry that it will have impl- like with the Praetors going out and doing things on other planes. I, I'm not sure it's going to have the impact that he wants out unless there are some things that happen in the story other than that. But uh, I I do think that we are gearing up for a possibly interplanar kind of conflict with Tezzeret transporting Phyrexians all over the place. Now we're not sure if every being is able to survive the process like these Praetors are, because you got to remember all these Praetors are taking heavy damage when they, use the planner bridge and are like, it's not like they're just using it and coming out whole and ready to fight. Vornklex had been on Kaldheim for weeks, consuming things to regain his strength. Uh, what's my call it? Uh, Jin Kataxias had taken substantial damage and has to be rebuilt using the tech on uh, Kamigawa. Uh, uh, in the latest story for, uh, um, uh, New Capenna, Urobrask is not whole either. So it's 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 a taxing process for them to use a bridge. So I don't know if we're going to get any kind of upgraded planar bridge that will allow just rank and file Phyrexians to transport from plane to plane. But if they if they figure out a way to make it work, it could we could have an interplanar conflict uh, on our right. hands. Brian, do you think the way from a gameplay perspective they could make that work is similar to like the germ tokens? It's some sort of thing. You get a zero zero Phyrexian. As long as you have this, it gets plus one plus one. And it's, you know, from a story perspective, it could almost be like the Praetors are able to like they've figured out a way to help sustain their agents, their army, whatever it is. Uh, But then if the Praetor leaves, then all the support's gone and they just die. Like, do you think almost we could see a mechanic like that? I don't know. Um, we do know that the reason that they're even Phyrexian on Mirrodin is because Karn brought some of the 
glistening oil to Mirrodin, which corrupted his his creation. Right? We don't yep. know the implications of that that oil being left on any other planes yet. It's possible that there there's stuff that could be left over somewhere else. We don't know if New Capenna has uh, has anything like in the background that is left over. We, I believe it's been confirmed that they might've eradicated all of the Phyrexians there completely, but we don't know if there's any kind of leftover glistening oil either there or on another plane that Karn interacted with. Um, like I'm never going to, I'm always going to believe that wizards are willing to leave some kind of backdoor to reintroduce this threat, even if the the Gatewatch and company defeat the Praetors in whatever conflict comes back so that they don't completely get rid of a bad guy entirely. Like, look at what they did with Bolas. They could have killed him outright on Ravnica, but they didn't. They left him alive, uh, depowered, but alive, that yeah. he could possibly somehow find a way to regain his spark and become a, a menace to the, the planes once again in the future when they deem it's time. But we'll see. Well, well, I mean, when you're printing money, you don't want to like, you don't want to destroy your ink cartridges. You know what I mean? You might just like when the heat's on, you might just set them in a, in a file cabinet drawer or something. You don't want to, you don't want to stop printing money. Um, Let them sit there for uh, five years or so. And when you run out of other new ideas, Hey, we'll bring him back. Somebody gets tricked into going to this plane and giving up their spark. And he's, he's running loose on the multiverse again. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, that kind of brings me uh, to another story point that we never see a conclusion of. And I, and after this, I, I'd be curious to hear uh, from both of you what story points you can think of. Uh, I think of the charge that the Weatherlight crew gives itself at the end, the end of the story on Dominaria, which is to uh, take on the quest to exterminate the Cabal. Um, to eliminate the cabal from Dominaria. Obviously, like that's how the story ends, so we don't see the conclusion to that. Do we think that that is going to be part of what uh, we're actually seeing happen in Dominaria United? Is Dominaria United because the last existential threat to the plane is gone uh, until the Phyrexians come back? <laughs> um. I could see that being a part of it. Um, I, I, I'm not super certain that the Cabal are as big of a threat without Demon or Demon Lord Bells and Locks still leading them. There's been a lot of chaos, so I could very easily see that being something that gets wrapped up between the stories. Um, but we'll see. You never know. Um, I, I think. It's always been a super weird thing with power vacuums on Dominaria. Um, you kill one leader, someone else arrives. Like what happened with Belzenlock? So maybe someone like uh, whispers second in command, assumes control, or something like that. You never know. It's very possible. Um, it's not like everyone on Dominaria is super powerful and enough enough to take out entire cult as you were um to 
you know, like they might not want to leave their areas of influence to take on this fight. They might want to, they might wait for the cabal to come to them to, to interact with them. Um, I, I could see the Weatherlight taking up that charge, but Dominaria is a place of very segmented uh, spheres of influence and power. So I, I'm not sure if everyone's willing to go to Urborg to try to wrap these up. You, the Weatherlight will be willing to do it, but who else is going to be doing that? Like, there were a lot of people that the Cabal had, so. That's super true. Can we acknowledge really quick how badass it is that uh, at the end, when they're taking, when they're storming Urborg to defeat Bells and Locke and defeat Whisper and all, all that stuff that happens, that it's a giant zombie panther army that they, that Liliana raises. I, that blew my mind. I had totally forgotten about that. That is super rad. It has nothing to do with what we're talking about right now, but I just wanted to acknowledge. We have to acknowledge something else. Wizards, you meaning you printed off a billion more 2-2 zombies in that set, but you couldn't get us a 10-10 zombie Black Panther? Come on. What are you oh doing? Boy. What the dicks? Yeah, it's, it, it's, it's something. But... Uh... <laughs> Well, really, um, the only thing that I really got left with, because, I mean, Murphus really kind of hit on a bunch of them, was more around, and I'm sure if I actually read the novels, I, I would get the details. But the thing that I was really confused about that at least I didn't get an answer on is why Liliana's contract defaulted to Nicol Bolas. He brokered the contract. Basically, so he brokered it with her in the very, very beginning? Well, my understanding of how that whole thing worked is he's the one who put her in contact with the demons. So there's a good chance that maybe there was some fine print in there where if any of them were to de- like be put taken out of power or killed, it would default to him since he's the one who put, the, put them into contact with her. See, I thought it had something to do with like the he's only mentioned like the Raven Man or the Raven guy. No, the Raven Man and, and Bolas are at this we don't know who who the that that was one of I was going to have several uh that was one of my loose threads. Uh the, All we, right. We still don't know who the Raven Man is or what it is. Uh we like Bolas is not the Raven Man. We do know that. Um but that that's been a long-standing issue with Jay Anelli, who's had this, this fixation on the Raven Man for years. But now that he's working with Wizards as far as being their lore consultant, he can't really spout his theories anymore <laughs> because he's actively helping yeah. resolve them. Right. So we we do not know who the Raven Man is. We have ideas, but uh, we don't know who that is, and like we'll see what happens with it. Um, another loose thread for me is Zalfir um, and, and, and Shiv. Like they've been phased out for aeons or for millennia at this point, and um, it, it's it's time we come back because it, it's time they come back because they kind of hinted at the fact that Teferi had maybe thought of a way to maybe bring them back, but we never got any kind of payoff for that. So. I'm thinking maybe we see some of that in Dominaria United. I, I would love to see it because, like, it we don't we don't see a lot of Zalfir in the novels, but what we do know is they were probably the most advanced nation on the plane. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why Urza had originally planned to funnel all of the Phyrexian invasions as much as like when they were doing all these invasions, like when the 
Phyrexian portals were opening up over Zalfir. That's why Teferi was like, nope, phasing them out because I don't want my people to be taking the brunt of this invasion. Uh, there's a good chance that had Zalfir um, remained, they would have taken heavy, sustained heavy damage because they were the biggest threat to uh, the Phyrexian invasion outside of Urza and the Tolarian Academy itself. Um, so well, I, I would love to see how that works because I want to see Teferi like, be vindicated and save to, to have all his people return. And even if they're a little outdated because they weren't, I want to see how that situation resolves itself. And I want to see Teferi made whole, even though I hate his cards in standard generally. So <laughs> he is one of my you're, favorite. You're, a, you're a man of, of poor taste, Brian. You're a man of poor taste. <laughs> yeah. it, it, if you haven't won a game by tucking your own Teferi until the other person runs out of cards right. or time, you you're haven't a good lived. person. <laughs> oh, oh, is that what it is? Okay. Oh, cool, 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 cool. Um, I am reading right now. Um, uh, Mr. Combo, to your point, uh, that uh, the lore is that in the event of the demon's death, the contract defaults its ownership to Bolas because he was the broker of the contract. Gotcha. And we actually see that even in flavor text on the uh, enchantment in Bolas' clutches. clutches. Hmm. Interesting. Yep. Interesting. All right, guys. Well, that was stories that left us hanging. Let's uh, hear a little bit about the CMD Tower store before we head to Unexplained Emissions. Hey there, Collective. Do you need a new playmat? Do you need some sleeves? Have you been forgetting your upkeep triggers? Well, be sure to head over to cmdtower.com slash merch to be able to pick up all the great swag made for you guys. It could be the Mr. Comma Number 5 reminder token. It could be the Squee, McGee, Get Up and Fight coin, or heck, even our foil playmat or Jund holiday sweaters. All of it's there. Go check it out. All right. We are now headed over to the Unexplained Omissions. These are characters, maybe artifacts, not actual artifacts, but, you know, items uh, that we kind of believe should have appeared. Um, you two, it sounds like, uh, especially Murphus, grew up with Dominaria has a special place in his heart. So I'm sure there's a lot of characters that he was like, why the heck weren't you here? Um, so Murphus, I kind of want to start with you on that. What did you think was just like omitted and you were looking for answers? Hmm. That is the interesting thing about Dominaria United or not Dominaria United uh, TBD on that one. Um, but in Dominaria, I actually got the itch scratched pretty good. Like, oh, wow. Yeah, because so much of the story that I grew up with was resolved. Like, Gerard is gone. The invasion is over. The mending has happened. Like, you know, there's still, like, uh, Zalfir and Shiv being being phased out. Like, that's still a thing. Like, there's still the question of, like, Phyrexians have the planar bridge and, and some of those things. But, like, the main thrust of the story from when I was a kid was about the original crew of the Weatherlight. And now we have this new crew that is is great, uh, helmed by Jora of the Gitu. Um, but I think uh, part of that, too, has to do with card design, actually. The sagas did a lot for me in terms of storytelling and, and pulling weight in the set to, to tell some of those stories that I really um, that I really wanted to see. Um, like the rise of bells and lock or, 
Um, uh, and then the legendary enchantments too. Like that was, or the legendary sorceries. Uh, those were, those were super sweet. Um, uh, like Urza's ruinous blast and stuff. So I got to see a lot of moments from the old story. I made concrete on cards. So I, I know, um, that may seem a little crazy. Uh, the, I think the biggest omission, honestly, from Dominaria that I would have loved to see is the omission of them not omitting the gate watch, like <laughs> get the gate watch off my plane. I, I don't want the justice league hanging out on Dominaria. So that is, that is, I guess my blazing hot take, uh, if if Twitter wants to burn me down, they can come try. <laughs> uh, Sir Brian, is there anything kind of just missing from your perspective? Because you're a lot more in the lore. So there's probably even stuff that's never appeared on a card that you're like, why the heck didn't that show up? Was there anything like that for you? Well, like I, I grew up reading the same novels. Uh, like the, the Weatherlight Saga is why I, I'm still in magic. And like that, that's why... I was I've been a Vorthos for all this time. Um, as far as things that were omitted, like Mer said, like they really did wrap up a lot of the storylines with the ending of Apoc- the Apocalypse novel. So when we jump ahead and we, we get here, there's been it's been over a thousand years since the end of, of the Phyrexian invasion, and like a lot of the characters that we that we knew at that time have died off just because of old age. Right. Sure. Um, so as far as omissions from Dominaria, like they, they really did cover a lot of the, 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 the points that anything that you would have thought to see, they really covered outside of Zalfir and Shiv being still phased out. Um, you know, it's like, I guess you have things like Rada who was in the time spiral novels, but we, we even ran into her in the, the Cabal Stronghold when they were trying to get the Black Blade from Belzenlock. So, like, we don't have a lot of characters that weren't involved with the previous stories because they did a really good job of hitting, scratching those 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 itches and hitting all the fine points of the story that they, that they, they left off with. So nothing is coming to mind as far as things that I will leave out outside of us, uh, and Shiv being phased out. Yeah. And, and I will say, I think part of that has to do with everything that happened outside of Dominaria that year, like with the release of the commander product. And then you have uh, modern horizon shortly after that, like a year after that, um, you saw a lot of the characters that we missed in, in world in set come to cards like you have Sarah the Benevolent and you have um, Lord Windgrace got a card, you know, and uh, so some of these beloved characters that are that are Dominaria even got hits outside of the set uh, and it just happened to be in the same amount of time. So what about for you? So uh, I'm interesting because I didn't grow up playing the game or the novels. So I got to experience a lot of this first, just like immediately, um, you know, a uh, nice beer shotgun at the wedding. And so I'm, I'm getting a lot of this as I'm reading uh, the cliff notes and the different summaries and hearing other content creators talk about it. And I mean, I hate to say it, but about the only thing that it's like, Oh, I mean, me as someone who likes things to have nice, pretty bows, 
I would have loved to have maybe gotten some cards or maybe more story about how uh, Needle, the Cabal minion, actually got a hold of the Black Blade from, it looks like, I think the last time someone thought, it, excuse me, it was Corlash that had had it. Um, and that it's just like, that it's later in the possession of this minion. So I think I would have enjoyed something like that. I think an iconic... Uh, artifact like a Black Blade Reforge. You can even put the Chain Veil in something like that. That's a, you know an artifact that Liliana uses throughout the story. Um, you don't just oh Liliana had it last, and then thousands of years later, hey, guess what? Joe has it, and it's like, well, how did, how did Joe get it? Uh, it's been thousands of years. Like, was it in a tomb? Was it in you know buried somewhere? So I think I would have liked a little bit there. And from a card design, Wizards has done stuff kind of like that that could have made this work. It could have been when the Cabal Minion Needle comes into play, search your library for a card named blah blah blah, and then put it into your hand. Very much like we have with like Bog Brew Witch and some others. Um, so that's about the only thing that it's like, man, I, I would have liked a little bit more there. That would have been a killer saga. Like oh, recovery yeah. of the Black Blade or something like that. Like chapter one, make a minion. Chapter two, do something. Chapter three, uh, search for a card named Black Blade Reforged and put it into play attached to a legendary creature you control. That would have been wizards if you're listening. Uh, my my email is open, ready for your design <laughs> requests. Yeah, no, I actually, I think that's pretty sweet. Yeah, it could totally be like make a zero one minion. Uh, I don't know what, you know, maybe section two is, you know, draw a card, lose a life, something like that. But I think actually the penchant of it would actually be pretty interesting to have it be sacrifice a minion. Like you had to do sacrifice minion creature type then search your library for blah. So it's like if you did some, you know, as we do in Magic, rigmaroles where you just sack the minion for value, you can't do that last part. Um, something like that would have been pretty cool. That would have been pretty sweet. I, I like I like that space. But yeah, no, for me, that's about it. Uh, but I am bringing the tinfoil hat energy because uh, I am all about saying stuff that may not make any sense. Uh, but before we do that, let's hear a little bit about our amazing patron community. Do you like CMD Tower content? Do you wish you could have more of it? Well, you should head over to our Patreon, patreon.com slash CMD Tower. That's where we really lean on the community for help and running our channel, but also giving back to you as well. So for just literally a buck a month, you can join and get tons of soft value, opportunities to be on the show, interact with the collective in our very lively chat. And then for even just five, 15 or 25 bucks, you're going to get swag. You're going to get RK post tokens. Really, it's one of the best values out there. Patreon.com slash CMD Tower. All right, guys. Um, tinfoil hat time. This is where uh, Brian gets frustrated because I throw out stuff that could never happen uh, because we are just making up things that we believe we can encounter the next time we approach Dominaria. Could be characters, sports igniting. Maybe it's a story being pulled in from another set. Um, you know, it's just really kind of open for discussion. And I want to start this off because. I got, you know, as I read this all from fresh eyes. So um, Liliana, this being her home plane, 
how the town, her spark igniting has become like a lore or like a, a myth or a legend that people kind of talk to each other about. Um, and this was literally the first time that Liliana had come back to Dominaria since her spark had ignited. So, you know, and now she's immediately gone. She got pulled away by Bolus. Last time we saw Liliana was on Arcavios teaching at Strixhaven. I believe we could see Liliana return to Dominaria because of things that she has learned at Strixhaven in the school. Um, you know, one of the things that she wanted to do is learn more about reanimation because she wanted to initially do it for Gideon, but then decided that's a bad idea. What about her brother? Because the last thing that he did whisper to her was, you are the curse of the Vess family. And that's what I was saying would be an amazing card. They should have made a curse in Dominary called Curse of the Vess family. And that would have just been phenomenal. But he said that, and I think that could be weighing on her a little bit. We saw that she was becoming maybe less self-centered on Arcavios, or at least from my eyes. So maybe she takes what she learns at Strixhaven, comes back to Dominaria, and tries to bring back uh, her brother. Um, but, you know, maybe do it in a less murdery, I'm trying to kill everyone way, like she got tricked the first time with the Raven Man. I think you took the wrong things away from that Strixhaven story. Uh, oh. <laughs> well, that's what I got. Like, so the way that uh, Witherbloom, Belladros Witherbloom, like, phrased the explanation of why he, uh, they wouldn't uh, teach Liliana about what happened with that thing that she brought back because it it sounded like it didn't go exactly the way she or that they planned for it to. And if you read between the lines, it's pretty much what happened with her brother. I'm I don't think I think she feels that he's at rest, and I think she has nothing left to do with him. Like she's she's put him to rest. She's he's not a zombie anymore. He's not like. If you read the, the the flavor text for final parting, like I, I, I'm pretty sure that that's that's the feeling that they want to give you. Like she feels that he's he's put to rest, and there's nothing left to do there. I, I don't. I, I hey, cannot I just, see that. And a little, it, I didn't say he was going to come back. I just said maybe she's because I fully believe, and we talked about this on our Cavios episode. I believed Liliana. Next time we see her her necromancy skills are going to be at another level. I believe she is going to gain knowledge that's going to make her stronger in that realm. That's one of the reasons she wanted to stay at the school. Um, so now why, you know, maybe it's her brother, maybe it's something else. I don't know. I could care less, but the fact that she's only been back home once since her spark ignited that's... and literally got ripped away from Dominaria by Nicol Bolas at the end of that, that set I think there's there might be something to bring you, her back. But you're missing she has been back since then. She went back during War of the, the War of the Spark book. Oh, okay. Well, once again, we're talking people that don't read the books. How am I supposed to know that, Brian? I'm, Gosh. I'm, I'm just putting it out there for you so you're not going <laughs> off as completely wrong uh, assumption. Cause yeah, she's been back and like she's been back to her hometown and everyone believes she's dead now. We, we can go mm. deeper into that when we visit this for War of the Spark. But yeah, the people of her home area believe that she's fully dead now. So I think we're she I don't believe that she has any reason to want to go back there. It'll Ooh. be real, it'll be real egg on their face when she comes strolling down with like a little Pyrenees dog or something heading to the heading to the old Vess estate. And they're like, but wait, I thought you were dead. Um, 
But yeah, I, we, worded I, it, we, I yeah. we worded out your estate as an Airbnb. You can't come back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I but I hear you. Like it, it yeah. seems like there there is some finality there. What so this? Are you prepared? Are you prepared for the tinfoil hat of the century? Well, Never. I think this got spurred when we talked about the Raven guy earlier. You had the same look on your face now as you did earlier. So what is the it? Gears, the gears have been turning, gentlemen. The gears have been turning. This is a two. This is a two part theory. Part one: the Raven Man is the spirit of Urza. The Raven Man is the spirit of Urza. They are one and the same. And the reason why the Raven Man was haunting Liliana and why there there's some there's some indication that he at some level had a desire for her spark to ignite. Like there's Correct. something about that. Um, the reason is that she is the key to the defeat of the Phyrexians and he can, he sees that she can do what he could not do, which is finally defeat them, but it's going to be a sacrifice play. Liliana will have to lose her spark and lose her life in order to finally have the Phyrexians defeated. And we will see this is, I guess, part three, part, part three. <laughs> the Raven, the Raven man will be a, an enchantment planeswalker to, to denote that it is this ephemeral spiritual being that is also a planeswalker. Um, I don't know how a spirit has a spark. I don't, I, I don't know how that would work, but to review Urza and the Raven man, same dude. Liliana, key to the defeat of the Phyrexians, which is why the Raven Man slash Urza was like, you got to do this, girl. You got it. You and got three, it. You got it, girl. You got it. And uh, three, we will see a Raven Man Planeswalker card that is also an enchantment. So, Brian, actually, before you answer, I want to add a question to that. But I thought Urza was going around. I thought everyone thought the Wanderer was Urza. The, the, the Wanderer is is the wandering emperor, right? Well, like that's sorry, not necessarily the wanderer, the the blind seer, sorry. Oh, the, the blind the bl seer. Yeah. That's so, Urza, right? That that is Urza, but Urza is dead. <laughs> like he, he was dead before Karn became a planeswalker. Like so All right. I cannot see in any way where Urza is don't, the raven. Don't, don't piss in my hospitality here, Brian. Don't do it. Don't don't you dare break my heart. I'm not don't only going to piss it. I'm, I'm taking a big old deuce in it, too. Like, there, there's no way. I cannot see any way where this was where Urza is a Raven man. Not only does not this not fit his kind of M.O. with, with how he interacted with other people at all. It, it, it's it, like Urza was very clearly pretty much dead after they use Karn to take out his his Power Stone and Meek Stone eyes to become part of the legacy weapon and like to cleanse the 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 Phyrexians in the invasion after blowing up the Null Moon. Like it, it's this isn't. I don't see any way where this is Urza at all. Um, like there are a number of Planeswalker, Black Planeswalker, Black Aligned Planeswalkers who have been known to like possess people with spirits and things of that nature. And that's who um, like you have the Shrak or uh, Tibesh that, that those kind of planeswalkers who 
we don't have a lot of well, Devesh is dead from the betrayal on the Phyrexian planes, um, but like Lashrak is one of those planeswalkers who it might be. It, it's there. There are some. There are a lot of theories about who it could be and what could come of that. But Urza is not even close to where I would put that 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 story. Ending. Well, and and to your point, the Raven Man doesn't possess Liliana. He's a specter, kind of like presence that only she can Liliana, see. That only she can see. There's an assumption in what you're saying that, like, oh man, he like that is a possessive kind of action, but it's not necessarily that. I, I'm not saying that she's possessed. What I'm saying is that there are planeswalkers who have done this kind of thing before who have feigned death and reappeared around other planeswalkers until they are able to fully possess said planeswalkers. Um, so that, that is my, that, that is where I'm leaning toward, but it's, it's, I don't know, but I will say this Murphys, I think you're actually onto something with the Liliana sacrifice. Because I think there is a little bit of fatigue with the uh, uh, Gatewatch. You know, Gideon's dead for good. Thank God we don't have to deal with that anymore. Those shitty white planeswalkers. God, they're so bad. Um, You know, we're getting Jace significantly less than we used to. Um, I could totally see them saying like, you know what, guys? I think it's time to retire Liliana. Let's go ahead and let her, you know, go out as... You know, maybe it's not a true hero. Maybe it's an anti-hero type thing, but she's finally going to maybe put the needs of others fully above her own um, and sacrifice herself to defeat the Phyrexians. I think that'd actually be a very beautiful thing. And then they could do some sort of Orzov card where it's like, you know, the the Gideon Memorial, the Liliana Memorial. They could do something cute like that. Uh, that seems very on brand for what Wizards w- would like. What You had an idea? So... Uh, part five, part five of this, of this theory. Okay. And I want, I want you to buckle up, buckle up mono white Liliana. That'll be the last planeswalker card we get. We're going to get a mono light Liliana because, and mechanically speaking, Liliana's like primary, like way of doing stuff. Necromancy is actually shared color pie territory with white, like, White can bring creatures back from the graveyard. It just does it in a different fashion. And so when Liliana makes a sacrifice play, we see Liliana as a mono white planeswalker card and with like a mechanical thing that like you ultimate Liliana exile her from the game and and something crazy happens. I like what you're saying. I could actually more see if it was a, a flip, a transformation planeswalker. One oh, side that's is, it, right? is yeah. One side's mono black. When your life total becomes five or less, transform it, um, and then it's the mono white one because it's like your life total is getting low. Now you need Liliana to come in and like sacrifice herself to save you, type thing. That would be kind of cool. I'm more fond of that idea than anything else that's been said so far. Oh um, my gosh! Like I, 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 Liliana, I could see having a character shift to a different color, possibly white. I, I'm not sure that. She is entirely like color isn't just about the things that you do, right? It's also about your motivations. The the color mm-hmm. pie is like white is more about the community. And so, so I, I could see her 
being Orzov or maybe even Mono White in a later card, but I, I don't think that we're there yet. Um, but I'm, I'm not, uh, that's something like I could easily see, but I'm not really, I'm not willing to say that's going to be anytime soon. Like I would be will, more willing to say that I could see her as an Orzov planeswalker sooner, like much sure. I, like in, in a nearer yeah. future than I could ever see her being Mono White. And I, I could see that too, but if it was like her final outing, I would I would rather see it as like a flip transformation. One side's black, the other side goes white. Uh, but I think you're probably right, Brian. I mean, if it's not the sacrifice play and they want to start getting her into white territory, doing an Orzov would make a lot of sense. And like, I, I honestly don't think that they're willing to kill her off. I think she's, oh. she, she's a much... It's kind of like we were talking about with Nicol Bolas and the Phyrexians. I think they are more willing to sit her on the sidelines on Strixhaven being a teacher and letting another Black Planeswalker come around because she's still an insanely popular character in the magic community. So I don't see them killing her off just because they want to make her a white Planeswalker. I, I, I can, like, I would, it would be a very while, a long time before I see her, them killing her off just for, just because they want to give another Planeswalker more shine. Yeah. Um, you know, the only thing I was going to say um, to that is uh, we all know that uh, it's now official. It came out of Sir Brian's mouth. Uh, Gideon, you suck. No one liked you. That's why it was totally cool to kill you off and never have you get reprinted again. Uh, no further questions will be uh, asked. Did not say um, that. <laughs> so, Brian, uh, with, you know, kind of your, you know, tinfoil hat or two, what's a couple things that you're hoping to see in Dominaria United? Uh, whether it was from the Dominaria set and it's continuing over, or maybe it's through these newer sets that we've been now experiencing. What what are you looking forward to possibly interacting with? I want to see Zalfir and, and Shiv return. Specifically Zalfir, but I'll take Shiv. I also want to see <laughs> Karn, or not Karn, Koth, show up and ask for help. Like, I, I think it's like we've seen Praetor show up, but... Like to me, it, it it just doesn't make sense to the like for there to be this well known group of planeswalkers who are known throughout the multiverse to want to help people, and Koth, who has been literally fighting Phyrexians his entire life, has not heard of them. Like to me, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. So mm. I, I'm I'm looking forward. I'm hoping that we see Koth show up in Dominaria United. And that's what leads us to seeing uh, him again in uh, whatever the, the next fire, new Phyrexia set is in ne- next year. Hmm. You know, I've never really interacted much with Koth. I've always found his cards kind of interesting. I don't know much about him lore-wise other than I think, Brian, when we were doing that game where you had to guess the plane, I think I guessed his plane and it was some obscure nonsense that I don't even think anyone's been to or something like that isn't it like a massive volcano thing and we haven't properly had a story or set there no he, he's he's from Meriden. like he was oh okay yeah he, he's he was born on Meriden. so it, it's i i think we're we're long overdue we're seeing the phyrexian praetors i think we're we're due to see cough show up and elspeth knows cough elspeth um has a very close relationship with cough them having endured the, the, the travails of New Phyrexia as Eleshnorn and the, the Praetors started taking power there. So I, I think 
especially with the way that today's story ended. I, I think um, even if if Koth doesn't hear about the Gatewatch, she might try to find or figure out what happened to Koth, especially if Urabrask returns. Like, I'm, I'm kind of surprised that we didn't hear anything about Koth from Urabrask in today's story, but, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens hmm. in the future. All right. Tinfoil Hat Part 6. Uh-oh. <laughs> Tinfoil Hat Part 6. The the Raven Man slash Urza is going to uh, essentially tell Liliana, who then tells Karn, that Karn is too late and that Koth has been Phyrexianized. And that's why we haven't heard from Koth, is that Kar- Koth is a Phyrexian. Are we done yet? Miss... <laughs> <laughs> uh, Ms- Mr. Combo, what what is one of your tinfoil hats? Oh, I already got mine like just shot down, like just like shotgun Uh-oh. bird pepper sprayed out of the sky. Um, no, I mean like if just completely taking the actual Dominaria set out of it and just looking at Dominaria United and the sets that we've had since then. Um I'm I'm thinking I mean, I'm just going off the title, Dominaria United. That sounds like it's the whole plane we're uniting against something. Something bad right. and terrible that we need to deal with. Phyrexian seems to make the most sense because that's what we're getting so many like nuggets about. Um, you know, maybe that's where Els uh not Elspeth, Elish Norn. I don't think we've seen her card yet. Maybe she shows up on Dominaria United. Um, I was also kind of thinking as we were uh, talking in a other episode, um, isn't there that elder dragon that you've been just like hot on, like Ugin or something like having him show back up? Maybe it's something like that. Um, But I think there's going to be some massive existential threat and it's going to be something disgusting as we've seen them do with some of these flip cards where one side, even think of like Tybalt's uh, Planeswalker card from uh, Kaldheim. Uh, I think we're going to get something like that for the big bad where it's going to cost like three, four mana, be an okay effect, but then it's like 10 on the other side and it's just like straight domination. So I think we are going to get some very powerful cards in this set. And I would be interested to see if we're going to get a new version of the Weatherlight, um, only be like a, an enhanced version, because we now have uh, Brian. It's T- Tiana, 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 the ship's caretaker, the mechanic, Tiana. angel. Tiana. Yeah, with, with her now, you know, she discovered, hey, this is my true purpose during Dominaria. So. Now, all the time that we've been gone from the plane, she's been like sitting there working on the weatherlight. Who knows? Maybe there's something that makes the weatherlight even more powerful. Uh, maybe there's something that kind of spins off of that. So I could see vehicles still being a presence here because, you know, we've been seeing a little bit more vehicles in each set. Uh, so those are a couple of my ideas. So, yeah, I, I could easily see Elish Norn being in Dominary United just because they're sprinkling a, a planes or. A, a, a Praetor in each set lead before we get there, so I could easily yeah. see that happening. Um, yeah, I, I do expect another Weatherlight card in Dominary United, regardless of whatever happens, because like that—that's a point. That, that's a touch point with the story that they left on, like with the last uh, story. So yeah, I could see that. Um, but as far as uh, Murph, your theory, yeah. Koff has had exactly one card. He's got a bunch of reprints with some different arts, but he has one card. 
There's he has no, he has one card. There's he has no one way card. they are Phyrexianizing him before he gets a second card. There's no well, way that's have, happening. He'll have a second card. It'll be a Phyrexian Mana Planeswalker, no, and it'll be great. No, there's no way they're doing that. That's dumb. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, I hope you enjoyed the conversation about Dominaria today. Like we mentioned um, in the middle of the episode, if you're looking for more things, as we even learned in Tinfoil Hat, a lot of sets have come out since then. Uh, we will be coming out with a Ravnica set as well. But hopefully uh, we maybe nailed a couple uh, items, even Raven Man being Urza and Tinfoil Hat. And we'll just find out here in about six to eight months. Well, guys, I'm Mr. Comma number five. And this is Murphus. I am TG Lord of Leaves downplaying anything for Rexian. Long live Rexian. Well, we will see you at the next multiversal destination, Planeswalker. Yeah!